this time, Lawrence Gregory, pastor, will come with our message today. Some events between Passover and Pentecost. I'm glad you nailed it, Dan. Okay. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is May 4th. It's the fifth Sabbath between Passover and Pentecost. Now, a few weeks ago, on the 13th, Matthew Steele was speaking, and he mentioned Pentecost, and he asked Ron Kolb, he said, what day is it? And Ron said, it's the 14th. And later, during the song service, I went back to Matthew, and I said, uh, Matt, Pentecost is on May 19th, not May 14th. He says, I know, but uh, it wasn't the date. It was the day, the 14th, the second week. And uh, he was correct in that. And uh, I understood what he was trying to say. And I wondered how many others might have been a little confused about uh, the reference to the 14th compared to the 19th, whether it was a Sabbath or the day of Pentecost. So today I'm going to share some events between Pentecost and Passover, between Passover and Pentecost. So uh, I have uh, some charts prepared, and I've gone over these in past years, so I won't spend a lot of time on them, but I will uh, ask if Brian will go ahead and put up chart number one. Then we're going to uh, look at a few scripture references as we go through here. So let me show you here. Uh, this is the uh, civil calendar, which we go by called the Julian calendar, and a comparison is the biblical calendar, or a reference to the Hebrew calendar. And notice this, this year is 2013, so this is the current year. We had Passover Sunday night, and then Monday was the Passover day, and then Tuesday was the first day of unleavened bread, and the seventh day of unleavened bread was on uh, the 1st of April. And then uh, Pentecost is down here on May 19th, if you can see, May 19th, Sunday. Now, the biblical or the Jewish calendar or the Hebrew calendar, the, just briefly, the Holy Day calendar is a solar calendar. That is just based on the months. There are 29 and a half days in a month. So 29 and a half days. You can't have a calendar that has a half day, so one month will have 29 days, the next month will have 30 days. And during a 19-year cycle, because everything comes into conjunction, then periodically during that 19 years, you have seven times every two to three years where you'll have an extra month put in to bring it up to uh, compare to the solar calendar. Now, our civil calendar is a solar calendar. In other words, we know 365 and a quarter days make a year, a loop around the, sun, the earth around the sun, 365 and one quarter days. So you can see on the biblical calendar, a month of 12 months would be 354 days. So it's 11 days short of the solar calendar. So periodically, if you didn't adjust or add another month in, then the Passover would back up. 11 days, it'd be backed up. After two or three years, it'd be back into the winter and the fall, and it'd be going around after several uh, number of years around the calendar. So 
Passover is always in the spring and Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. And so to keep that in alignment, there is a need for some adjustments in the biblical calendar, which is a lunar-solar calendar. Just as in the civil calendar, we have some adjustments. For example, we have a leap day, we have a leap month, we have a leap year, like in February. And in our civil calendar, we have uh, 30 days of September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, saving uh, February, and you remember the rest of the poem, where periodically every four years, you add an extra day to make up for the 365 and a quarter days. So, okay, now having said that, I want to uh, take, just before we look at the scriptures, again, let me turn this back on. Okay. The day of Pentecost, in the Jewish calendar, they count it Sivan 6, which is the third month. Nisan 1, Iyar, the second month. Sivan or Sivan, the third month. They always set Pentecost as a date, Sivan 6, because they count from the first day of unleavened bread. Now this year, first day of unleavened bread was on Tuesday, so they always count from Tuesday, 50 days, will come down to, and it'll always be during the week, five and six, whereas the day of Pentecost is a day. It is always on Sunday, because you count from the Sunday of the wave sheaf offering. We'll look at that. Now, the Passover week will vary. Sometimes the days of Passover will vary, but always there's a Sunday between and a Sabbath in between. So that first week, the wave sheaf offering was offered on a Sunday, the 31st. That first week, you have one, two, three, four, five, six weeks coming down to the 18th. That's 49 days, 7, 14, 28, 35, 42, uh, down to 49, 42, 49. Then you add the 50th, which is the day of uh, Pentecost, the 50th day on May 19th. Now, we're going to leave the calendar charts because it's hard to, to take that all in, I know, just in a few minutes of observation. But let's go to the scriptures, and we'll go to Leviticus, the uh, 23rd chapter. In verse 10, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you become into the land which I give unto you, and you shall reap the harvest thereof, because they couldn't harvest during the 40 years of wilderness wandering, because they were traveling all over. Now, sometimes they stayed a number of years in a certain areas, but they couldn't have crops in the, in the Sinai Desert there of uh, Saudi Arabia. But uh, uh, continuing on, you shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow, on the day, after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. So on Sunday after the Sabbath. Not after the annual Sabbath, but after the weekly Sabbath. So the wave sheaf was the first of the first fruits, the first of the harvest. Christ was the first one harvested. He was the first one resurrected among many brethren. Then we are the first fruits then God is going to add during the millennium and during the great white throne judgment to his kingdom. Now, let's skip on down to uh, verse 15. And you shall count unto you, uh, let's go to, yeah, verse 15. 
You shall count unto you from the morrow, after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete, or seven weeks, seven Sabbaths. So from Sunday to Saturday, you have uh, seven days, six days uh, in between the Sabbath and Sunday. So you have Sunday the first, second, third, fourth, right up to the seventh day, the Sabbath. Continue on, verse 16. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord, and it goes into Pentecost. So you count seven weeks, forty-nine days, and then the next day would be the fiftieth, which would be Sunday. So Pentecost is always a day. Get that in, in your mind. So you can count anywhere you are. You don't need me or anyone else or charts. If you've, got, if you've got a calendar, you can count from the Passover that Sunday because there's a week, there's always a Sunday in between uh, the first day of unleavened bread and the last day of unleavened bread or after uh, Passover. And so from that Sunday, count out seven weeks and then add, so there's a couple of ways of counting, and then add Sunday again, you'll come to the 50th day. So that is uh, something for us to remember. Five and six, the Jews always count from the first day of unleavened bread, 50 days. It'll always be during the week, but it'll always be five and six, Pentecost. Pentecost is not a date. It is a day, and the day is always on Sunday. Okay, so now for a second thing, let's go to uh, the second chart, uh, Brian. Okay, this is um, this is the year 2009, and when we kept the Passover on the Tuesday evening. If you'll come down here, if you can see, can you see beyond me? Some of you may not be able to see. Uh, maybe I can step over here. See, on your holiday little pocket calendar that you carry, 2009, Passover was April 9th, uh, Unleavened Bread was 915, and Pentecost was on 31st. And then Feast Tabernacles, and on the back you have the Holy Days. So you have here 2009 in our civil calendar, you have uh, Passover, and then the first day of unleavened bread, the, se the seventh day of unleavened bread, a wave sheaf offering would have been offered here. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks would have come to the 30th. And the 31st, the 50th day, is Pentecost. That's what we observed in 2009. And you can go back and check throughout for hundreds of years or a couple thousand years and compare uh, the, the civil calendar, well, actually our Julian calendar and then our Gregorian calendar I want to go back a couple of thousand years, back to Julius Caesar. So, uh, then this is the biblical calendar of the corresponding week. Passover, first day of unleavened bread, seventh day of unleavened bread, and then notice they put Sivan 6, which was on a Friday. So the Jews observed Pentecost on Friday. We observed it the following Monday. So you'll always have the day of Pentecost occurring a few days after Sivan 6. You'll, you can check that all out and see. So if, uh, if you're out by yourself and they, the Jews are counting Sivan 6 and they have it on Thursday, you know that the following Sunday is the day of Pentecost. And you can count back to Passover and uh, check that. Now, 
for some scriptures here. Exodus, the 13th chapter. Exodus 13. No, Exodus 16. Give Brian a moment to change. Okay. Exodus 16. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Notice this. On the 15th day of the second month after their departure out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of children of Israel complained. Now this is the first year. They just had left Egypt. The 15th day of the second month. Now, we're not going to do it right now, but later we'll look at these on, on the calendars and, and figure some of, some of these things out. Okay, through verse 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. And then in verse 4, Then said the Lord unto them, Behold, I'll rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it will come to pass on the sixth day, they shall prepare that which they bring forth, and in it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. And the morning, in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And the, Moses spake unto Aaron, saying to all the children of Israel, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. And then, uh, let's see. Verse, uh, let's go on down, read down to verse 15 from 10. It came to pass that Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard your murmurings of the children of Israel unto them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it will come to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew upon, uh, was gone up, behold, even the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as a hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they know not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you. And uh, then in verse 22, came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said, This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow, that was on the sixth day, is the rest of the Holy Sabbath 
unto the Lord. So there's two Sabbaths here uh, that we see, the fourth and the fifth Sabbath. The manna came, the quails came, and then the manna came for six days, and then it was identified again as a Sabbath. We'll look at that just a little bit here on the uh, calendar uh, chart. And uh, verse uh, 29, uh, verse 27, it came to pass that uh, some went out on the seventh day to gather, and they found none. The Lord said unto them, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. This was the fifth Sabbath day. Okay, now, verse uh, 32, 30, while we're here, let me just complete this. Uh, uh, verse 32 to 35. But I'll just skip down and read verse 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came under the borders of the land of Canaan. Now, I'm not going to go into the meaning of manna. We've talked about this, the bread, the bread of life, the unleavened, and, and the significance of the manna. Manna was with them for 40 years from the, when they originally left Egypt until they entered into Canaan in the holy days. But what about the quail? How long did the quail last? We'll answer that in just a little bit here. Now, let's go to, um, let me see, uh, yeah, let me go to Joshua, the fifth chapter, and then we'll look at the charts. Joshua, the fifth chapter, because they're, 40 years later, they're entering into Canaan, the holy day. And uh, we'll go to Joshua, the fifth chapter, and begin reading in verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. The, let me tell you this. The Passover, 12 times always in the Bible, always is either in or on the 14th or unto. Keep the lamb was kept unto the evening of the 14th. It is always. Never is the Passover on the 15th. The first day of unleavened bread is the 15th, and the last day is the 21st. Just as in the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh month, the Feast of Tabernacles starts on the 15th, it ends on the 21st, and then the 22nd is the eighth day, the last great day. So there is here, the next day after the Passover, uh, they had uh, unleavened bread of the old corn of the land, and then Verse 7, 12, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So then on the next day would have been the Sabbath. So they, they were able then to, uh, the manna ceased on the Sabbath, and then starting on Monday, Sunday, pardon me, they would have been able to eat of the harvest of the land because the, the manna had ceased on Friday. They didn't have manna anymore. They didn't have it on the Sabbath. So they were able then to eat of the uh, grain harvest 
of the land of Canaan that year. Now, let's go to, uh, let's see, back to uh, chart two, Brian, back to chart two. Okay, now notice here, again, uh, this chart two is uh, comparable to 1491 when they exodus Israel. They went, the Passover was on a Tuesday that night. It was on a Wednesday. Now, this week, this is good to know. The week of the Exodus, the week of going into the Holy Land, Joshua, and the week of the Passover of Jesus Christ, all were the same layout of the, of the week on the counter. The Passover was the same. On, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified. He was crucified on uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday day. Tuesday night was the beginning on the th at the end of the 13th. Begin the 14th. Always the day begins at sundown. From sundown to sundown, you know, from evening to evening shall you keep the Sabbath. And so then the 14th was Wednesday. And then the, the, past, the first day of unleavened bread was uh, on Thursday. And then Passover, uh, Pentecost for the Jews would have been on the 6th. 50 days from the first day of unleavened bread. So, now, uh, let me see. I want to go to uh, chart three. Okay, this was, uh, as we just read, the second year. The Passover that year was on Sunday night and Monday, the 13th and 14th of the first month. See, this, this is the first day of the first month, which compared to uh, Tuesday, the 16th of March, the first day of April. These months, you have to kind of, it's a little tricky to correlate because, coordinate the two, because if you take the Passover was on the 13th, then the Days of Unleavened Bread, and then the Wave Sheaf Offering would have been on that Sunday, and then the last Day of Unleavened Bread on uh, the 22nd, on Tuesday. And uh, you would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks. Passover would have been in 2010 on May 16th, rather than on Sivan the 6th, Sivan the 6th. Okay, now... want to read some scriptures here. Exodus, the 40th chapter. Some interesting things happened of a few events that we're going to be looking at as we go through here between uh, Passover and Pentecost. Obviously, we couldn't spend, we'd have to spend weeks and weeks and days of study and of looking at uh, all of those uh, uh, stages of journey and charts and stopping of uh, the wilderness journeys for those 40 years. But in Exodus chapter 40, verse, uh, let me get my notes open here. Um, Verse 40, chapter 40 rather. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, verse 2, On the first day of the first month, 
shall you set up the tabernacle. First day of the first month. What year was that? Well, drop over to verse 17. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. So, now, Numbers 9. So it was the second month after, it was in the second year after, a year later after the tabernacle was reared up. So it took them a year to get it uh, prepared. Numbers 9. I'm trying to coordinate uh, scriptures and charts and maps and uh, so let me uh, chapter 9 verse 1 and the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt let the children of Israel keep the Passover in his appointed season on the 14th day of the first month now verse 6 uh, there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on, the, on that day. And they came to Moses and Aaron. Well, what do we do? So Moses and Aaron told them, after consulting with God, that they could keep the Passover on the second month. In verse 11, the fourteenth day of the second month, that even they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it, according to all the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man that is clean, and is not in a journey, and forbears to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off. So you have to keep the Passover, if you're qualified and eligible, circumcised, uh, a stranger that had joined in, and, and kept the uh, uh, regulation according to their immigrant status, as becoming a part of Israel by circumcision, they could keep the, if they're adult, they could keep the Passover. And uh, verse 14, And a stranger shall sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord, according to the ordinance of the Passover, and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. You shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that is born in the land. And on that day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning, and it uh, abode upon them and traveled with them for 40 years. So, I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but let me remind you of this. When the tabernacle a year later was constructed, then to show God's approval, the cloud that began with them from the first day of unleavened bread, when they left Sukkoth, remember, they kept the Passover in Egypt, and they went to Sukkoth, the 15th, and then they left from there. There was a cloud of fire, a pillar, a fiery cloud in the nighttime and a cloud in the daytime, kind of like showing on this picture over here. <clears throat> then when the tabernacle was reared up in the uh, first month, then the uh, cloud and the fire rested over the tabernacle. Okay, uh, Numbers 10. <clears throat> uh, 
verse 11. And it came to pass on the twentieth day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony, and the children of Israel took their journeys out of the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran, that is, uh, to the north, as they were headed toward the promised land, from clear down in the uh, uh, peninsula there of Sinai. Then, uh, let's see, verse... 33, I'll show you some charts here in just a little bit. And they departed from the mount of the Lord. They went three days journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And let them that hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. We know there are 600,000 uh, men of warrior age, so about uh, one to three million people with their herds and flocks. So it was a large uh, crowd of uh, people and animals that exodus and that traveled for that 40 years. Now notice in chapter 11 immediately. Uh, I want us to notice a number of things that happen, both positive and good, as we go through here. It's kind of experience, their experience is like ours, true to life. What they experienced is very similar, a repetition of some of the things that, that we experience, maybe in different ways, because of cultural or time difference and uh, some of the things that are, are different in our society than was obviously in their, uh, we would say, cruder, rougher society. And when the people complained, verse 1 of chapter 11, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them in the uttermost part of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabira, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And Tabira in Hebrew means burning. So you get that uh, significance of the name, in not only in English, but in, in Hebrew. So remember this. This is uh, within the first year. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And all the children of Israel wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Same old story. Who, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics. But now our soul is dried away and there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And uh, Moses said unto the Lord, verse 11, uh, why have you put all this on me and, and afflicted me with all of this responsibilities? Where, where am I going to, verse 13, where am I going to get flesh to give all this people? They had herds and cattle, but... They were using those basically for their sacrifices and offerings and for their herds when they came into the promised land. So they had vast herds and they ate some of them, of course, uh, as, as time went along. But they weren't eating a lot of them at the time and so they were complaining. And uh, where am I going to get flesh to give the people? Now this is the second time this, is, this has come up. And uh, skip over to verse 18, Numbers 11, 18. Brian, yeah, he's doing pretty good about following me as I kind of skip around here. Thank you, Brian, again, very much. 
Say unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. Not one day, not two days, not five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that you have despised the Lord which is among you. We heard about that a little earlier, despising the Lord. And have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said to the people, Who am I? There are 600,000 footmen, and you've given me. I'll give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? So if they'd killed all of the herds and goats and sheep and their little lambs and calves, if they'd killed all of their animals, they wouldn't have had anything when they went into the Holy Land. They wouldn't have had anything for offerings and for sacrifices. They wouldn't have had any of that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? You shall now see whether my word shall come to pass. And so, now, an interesting thing happens here that uh, Moses was saying, God, you've put on me all this burden. How am I going to provide all of this for them? What am I? So, in God's mercy and his love and kindness, he sent him some help. He said, here, gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them around about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto them and took the spirit that was upon Moses and gave unto the 70. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did cease, not cease. And then there were two that didn't go out with the 70, Eldad and Medad, and Eldad means... God is love, and Medad means God's justice. And the Spirit of God came on Eldad and Medad. I don't know if they were twin brothers or relatives, or they just had names, Eldad and Medad. They stayed, they were in the camp, but the Spirit of God came on them also. And then the complaint came up, well, what do we do? These guys, uh, they're prophesying also, but they're not with the, out there with the 70. And... Uh, Moses said unto him, Envy you for my sakes. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them, upon everyone. That was Moses' desire that God have his spirit on everyone. And uh, verse 31, There went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea. And they were there uh, and uh, they had uh, a lot of quail to eat. And he called the name of that place Kibroth. Hadavah, because there they buried the people that lusted, and the people journeyed from Hadavah unto Hazaroth, and abode at Hazaroth. Now, from Sinai up to uh, Kibroth Hadavah, which is the same name as Tabera. Now, if you go, and we won't do this, but we'll go into the wilderness journeys of the children of Israel and the stages that they went out by. Uh, 42 of those stages that are listed in Numbers, the 33rd chapter, you'll see it. Tiberia is not listed. But we see because of the same instance that happened and the name was changed, that Tiberia is Hadavah. So you can search that out on your own uh, to see. And it was about 30 miles distance from Mount Sinai. So when they left, they went three days journey. We'll look at the chart here again a little bit. But it would be like from here, where we are right now, over to Kellyville, Oklahoma, past Sapalpa. So it's about 10 miles 
from here to downtown to the Arkansas River. And then you go on about 10 more miles, you'll almost get to Sepulpa. Then about another 10 miles, you'll get to Kellyville. So that would be about three days journey. Now remember, you've got children and women in carts, walking, riding, uh, their donkeys and mules and camels, and they've got herds and cattle. And when you, when you have a cattle drive, you've got to let them kind of graze as they go along. So you can make about six to 10 miles with a herd. Sometimes you can press it a little more, but the more, now, if you watch a Western movie, you'll see them running the herds and the cowboys. You'd never run. You'd never run. You'd run all the fat off of those. It'd be skin and bones when they got to the, to the uh, end of the uh, cattle drive. So they have to go along at a road, and they'll make about uh, uh, maybe 10 miles, uh, pretty much average, sometimes less, depending on the terrain and depending on the water availability and the grazing availability. If there's nothing for them to eat, they go a little faster, cover a little more miles. If there's a lot of good grass, they'll eat along the way, so they'll stay fat. And uh, you've got to think about now, think about logistically of moving uh, one and a half to two million people with all their herds and cattle and flocks and, and all of the things that are going along with them. They could make up to uh, Hadavah from Mount Sinai. And then they abode at Hazaroth. Now skip over to verse 16. Uh, something else happened we won't cover here about Miriam and her being struck with leprosy. And afterward, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran, which is the wilderness of Paran's north, Kenish Barney. And they spent quite a few years, about 18 years in that area north. And uh, we'll just leave that. Now let's go to uh, the... Uh, let's see. Do I want to go back to the third chart. I think um, no I won't because we looked at that before. Uh, I was just going to explain a little more. Uh, yeah, did we put up, put up the third chart? Uh, okay, see the 20, I don't know if you can see the 20th right here. Uh, was uh, the date that we mentioned here of the uh, uh, in the third month, the 20th. And so three days after that would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the next day would have been Sabbath. So in here was when they were complaining and the quails were sent. And so that was between the Passover and Pentecost. If you can see, the Passover was on the 13th of the second year because... Of the flow of the calendar every month, and you can go back and chart these out. So going back from March, back uh, in the civil calendar, March 13th would have been Sabbath before going back into the first year. So continuing on down here, you can't take the 14th day for in the civil calendar for the Passover. The Passover will vary in the civil calendar, we understand that. But you take in God's biblical holy day calendar, the 14th, is a Passover on Monday, starting at sundown on Sunday night, just as we did on uh, the, the 2010th was similar to this year of, uh, not the calendar, civil calendar, but this year the Passover. And so the 20th was on a Tuesday, and then the three days they went to Hazaroth from Sinai, and then Pentecost would have been on the 10th of that uh, third month. Okay. Now, uh, let's see. 
Let's go to Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. No, wait. Uh, go back to Numbers, the 10th chapter. Oh, yeah, Brian. Numbers, 10th chapter. And uh, verse 23. Uh, actually, drop down to verse 29, because I are already covered that. Verse 29, something else happened here that I wanted to cover. Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Raguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. So this was, Hobab was Moses' brother-in-law, his wife's sister, his wife's brother, his brother-in-law. We are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come you with us, and we will do you good, for the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. And he said unto him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my own kingdom. First time. He says, no, no I'm not going to go with you. So Moses said again, Leave us not, I pray you, for as much as you know how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and you may be to us instead of eyes. And it will be that if you go with us, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will we do unto you. Now, there's nothing said in the scripture about whether Hobab agreed to go with Moses. Because look what he's saying. God said, you know, you got this fiery cloud, the pillar, uh, fire at nighttime and the cloud of daytime to go before you to lead. So it went out ahead, the tabernacle, and then the tribe of Judah went out. And so Moses, obviously, you know, when you're traveling, you got a map and everything, but it would be good to know a little more detail about the area. Even though you're looking to God to lead, it'd be nice to have a little more detail to physical terrain and where the pasture is and where the water supply is and camping and, and all of that facilities to, to be convenient. But nothing is said for sure, but we do have uh, some indications. Now... The quail, the second time it came, lasted only a month. It never lasted during the 40 years. Only the manna continued on 40 years. Hobab, in uh, Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, let's look at this and see, because we're still left, I'm going to look at two scriptures, we're still left with a little uncertainty about whether he went with them or not. Now, he could have gone, uh, it can be, depending on how we look at the scriptures, whether he went or not. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, verse 10. The Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from, this is, this is years later, 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed me. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And uh, this was in uh, 1452, about a year before. Oh, Deuteronomy 32.10. Oh, I'm in numbers still. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. No wonder. 
Thank you for, for the help. I was wondering, that wasn't leading up to what I was wanting to say, so I, I was getting lost here. 32, uh, oh yeah, this is what I wanted to say here. Uh, we were considering, excuse, like I said, I'm trying to sort between charts and maps and diagrams and Bible. And Thank you. for Any time like that, you need to catch my attention, uh, we'll do that. But here, Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, verse 10. Thank you, Brian and Maxine and all of you. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Verse 9. Verse 10. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Now, the reference here is that God alone led Israel. There was no other God, but he doesn't say anything about Hobab coming along with him. Because if we go up to, uh, oh, let's see, I think it's uh, Joshua, Judges, uh, I don't know if I wrote this down here. Um, and I didn't give it to Brian, but uh, I might, um, maybe I can, maybe I can find this here in Judges, Joshua Judges. Well, anyway, uh, when they went into the Holy Land and the land was distributed and numbered, then it uh, shows that the descendants of uh, uh, Hobab and Reguel, Mo Moses' father-in-law, shared in the inheritance with Judah. Now the indication is because Judah was the vanguard tribe that led out. They led first when they made all those journeys and all those trips. Judah went out first. And uh, the tabernacle ahead of them with the fire at nighttime or the cloud in the daytime. So it seems maybe this is what happened. And I don't know. We'll, we'll have to ask in the kingdom really what happened. But it seems like God led them, and they looked to him, and there was no other God, and he was the one that was giving direction, traveled here. But maybe Hobab came along and said, that, that's a good, where, where the cloud stopped, where the, the, that's a pretty good place because there's pasture there, and there's canyons up there, and there's water up in the mountains, and you can get water and feed your flocks. Maybe he was just a complimentary support. But notice, he was wise enough to not try to take God's place and give direction and speak for God where Moses then perhaps relented and accepted and saw that, yeah, he could bear it because he had some help. Seventy-two other judges, wise men that could help him make decisions and face the crowd. You know, it's, it's pretty hard if you're by yourself and you got several, a couple of million people and you got a bunch of people griping and complaining about everything, everything that goes on. No water, no food. Oh, we like to go back to Egypt. We had onions back there. We had leeks and garlic and, you know, and uh, where's the water, Moses? Where's the quail, Moses? And uh, so you can see Moses would appreciate it having some extra help and support to bear that even though he had God with him. Isn't that all human the way we are sometimes? It's, it's easy to 
look to man and to get some support and encouragement from man, even though God is there. God is always with us, but sometimes it's easier to look to how much money I got in the bank. Let's see. Boy, have I got enough in there? I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. And then we begin to look to that instead of looking to God. Okay, Numbers 11th chapter. Let me uh, carry on here. Uh, let's see. Oh, I already read, I already read those scriptures. Um, let's go to Numbers 33rd chapter. Brian, thank you. These are the journeys of the children of Israel, verse 1, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. And these are their goings out according to their journeys. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month on the morrow after the Sabbath. So you see the 14th, 15th. Uh, the children of Israel went out by high hand. We've explained all of this before. I'm going to come to verse 16. And they removed from the desert of Sinai and pitched at Kibroth Hadavah. We talked about this, or Tabera. And they departed from Kibroth Hadavah and encamped at Hazaroth. And uh, we explained that uh, how they departed after three days trip from Sinai and they came to uh, Tabera or to uh, Kibroth Hadavah and they complained and God sent the quail to satisfy them within that period of time between Passover and Pentecost. So there were a lot of bad things happened and a lot of good things happened. We just touched on a few of those events. So what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is, you know, as time goes on, the experiences, they're good and bad. And we always got to look to God for the good and the guidance and the direction and the good to help us see it through the bad and not to be a complainer or a griper or uh, uh, complaining about uh, uh, the way or the difficulty of where we are at that time, but just accept it knowing that maybe God is working something out to bring us closer to Him and make a positive thing out of the negative that we're experiencing. We've gone through a lot of these stage journeys of um, the uh, children of Israel and those 42 journeys that they made uh, over 40 years. 40 years trial test period, 42, 6 times 7. So it's like a contrast, man against God, and that's kind of like it was for 40 years, man against God. Or... 7 times 12, God's complete number is 84. Half it is 42. Half of 84 is 42. So either way you've, you look at it, 42 stages, 42 stops, 42 places was a time of trial and difficulty uh, as the people were testing God. And in all of this, God is being triumphant. Now, let's go to Psalm 105. And verse 39, let me, I, I didn't give it to Brian, but let me just read uh, a couple of verses surrounding here. He brought them forth out of, uh, with silver and gold. There wasn't one feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night from the 
First night, when they began to depart and to leave, God sent that fiery cloud and fiery uh, cloud, and it was there with them as they crossed on the next Wednesday, as they crossed the Red Sea, as they went on for a year until the tabernacle was built. Then the cloud and the fire came and rested over the Ark of the Covenant, over the, the tent of the tabernacle. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. And you can read more about all the wonderful things that God did. They needed food. They needed water. They needed clothes. Their clothes lasted 40 years. And we've talked about that before. Now, uh, I want to go to uh, uh, finish up here. Chart number four. And there's three, three uh, charts here. Let's go, Brian, to chart number four. And um, we'll just look at this first one real quickly here. This is uh, in, uh, let's see, 1945, uh, our civil calendar year. And it compares with the uh, 31 AD, with the Passover in 31 AD. And we've looked at this before like uh, several times, other, other years, every so often the duplication of Passover like in Egypt and uh, Canaan, the promised land and the sacrifice of Christ will duplicate itself over time. But here, Passover on Tuesday, Wednesday was a Passover day. When I say Passover, the night and then the daytime and then the first day of unleavened bread. And then you say if you jump down on the holiday calendar, the seventh week, pass the Pentecost, according to the Jews, would be on five and six. But in uh, reality, it would have been on the 8th day of uh, March, April, May. May the 8th would have been, or uh, this would have been, uh, let me see if I can say, yeah, March, April, May, May the 20th. In 1945, Pentecost was on May the 20th. This was March, April, May. And you can't see from here, but the new moon the new day starts right here. The first month begins at the first there. So it'll vary during the month, the first day of the month. So now I have here the second uh, chart of this series, Brian, the letters. Oh, you can't read. No, that's, that's number three. Uh, go back to one. Yeah, this one here. This is uh, a letter from the uh, U.S. Naval Observatory. And it says that the night of Tuesday, March 27th, and consequently the day following this was Wednesday, March 28th, answers to the 14th day of the Passover. And in the letter, sir, in reply to your letter of January 15th, you are informed the astronomical full moon occurred Tuesday, March 27th, A.D. at 31 at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Jerusalem time. So Tuesday night, the 13th, would have been on March 27th, would have been Passover, and the next day, Wednesday, by direction of the Department of U.S. Naval Observatory. Then the next letter, this is from the British uh, uh, Naval Observatory, their astronomy royal given by Mr. Hollis, in which he says the Paschal full moon in A.D. 31 occurred on Tuesday night, March 27th. And uh, they give the time the same thing. So. Look at, I don't know if you can see from here, but all of the years surrounding when the date of the Passover was on a Wednesday, Christ was crucified on Wednesday, 31 A.D. 
Passover, the night he kept the, the meal with his disciples was Tuesday night, the 27th. Tuesday, the 28th of March, Wednesday, the 28th of March was a Passover day. And uh, all the years surrounding from 24 AD to 38 AD was on either a Thursday or a Tuesday or a Monday or Friday. So March 28th, 31 AD was the day that Jesus Christ was crucified for us on the Passover in 31 AD. Not 33 AD. 33 AD, as the Catholics say, would have been uh, on a Friday. Good Friday, Fish Friday. You can't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. It's only, they say, well, that's an idiom. That's partial, half. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, that's three days and three nights. No. Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day. Jesus was, was resurrected at the end of Sabbath afternoon, late at, early at the end of the day, three days and three nights, just as he said. So when they came early Sunday morning at daylight, he was gone. The angel said, don't you know? <laughs> he said, he, he's not here, he's gone. He's resurrected. Then he talked to them and uh, showed them uh, who he was and where he was later on. Okay, um, now... Closing, I have a few scriptures here and some comments. Let's go to Acts, the first chapter. Take just a few more minutes of time here. I still have... How much time do I have, Richard, left? <laughs> well, on a timer it says green. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we try not to take too much. I got started late. Maybe we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> okay, real quickly here. I, I think I can do this uh, real quickly here. Uh, let's see. Acts, the um, first chapter, verse 3. Uh, Luke is writing, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And in verse 11, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up unto you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So remember, 40 days he ascended. Then in chapter 2 of Acts, Now when the day of Pentecost... Count 50, or the 50th, as the Greek means, Pentecost just means 50th. When the 50th day was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, uh, the Holy Spirit came and filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, let's go to the... Back, Brian... Um, Uh, to the 3180, the fourth chart with the calendars on it. 40 days. Now, 40 from 50 is 10, right? So, are we talking about backing up from Pentecost 
to the 40th day or counting from the wave sheaf offering for the 40th day. There's two different, two different times here. Don't get them confused. They are not connected. Here's what I want to show you. Because the scriptures show, uh, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining. Then he was lifted up. 40 days from his passion. Okay. 40 days from his passion. His death, his passion was on Wednesday. 40 days comes to the 24th. Monday, the 24th. 50 days for Pentecost is counted different. It's not counted from the Passover. It's not counted from the first day of unleavened bread as the Jews do. It's counted from Sunday. When the wave sheep, remember? Seven weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One week. Sabbath. Seven Sabbaths plus one day you'll come to the Passover. So the ascension, 40 days and 40 nights, was between Passover and Pentecost, but it was not connected to the count of Pentecost. It was a separate count. It was actually, it would have been maybe uh, 13 or 14 days. I haven't counted out exactly days longer or between the uh, Pentecost and the date of the resurrection. Okay, the ascension of Jesus. Let me uh, close. Just a reminder, uh, Pentecost is not a date. It's a day. There are many lessons, good and bad, concerning Israel's history in the Exodus between Passover and Pentecost, as well as other times. So there are a lot of lessons we didn't take time to look at today. Even times of judgment on Israel... Times of goodness shown by God's mercy and His love. And the same is today. In the midst of trouble, we still see His goodness, His mercy, His love. We have so much to consider. Our littleness, our problems, compared to His greatness and His goodness. Now, in closing scripture, Romans 2.4. While we're here in the New Testament, close. Romans 2-4. Yes, it's a few minutes after 3. <laughs> and the green light is still on. <laughs> we'll go by that one. Romans 2-4. Or despise you the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God excels in all of these troubles and trials and problems and difficulties and things that we have, the things that Israel experienced. And we can look back and learn those many lessons of both bad and good they experienced. In all of this, God comes out great and good and noble and strong. And He's the one that is leading us and not men. He leads us as we look to Him. And so God be praised in His goodness and His greatness.